Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. Praise God. I'm expecting tonight, by the time we're finished here, that there are some people in this place who have dormant gifts that come alive. That there are people in our church who have gifts that have once burned bright are now just kind of smoldering. And God wants you to do, as our lesson is tonight, stir up the gift. Stir up the gift. Second Timothy, we're going to the book of Second Timothy tonight. Again, we're so glad to have everybody in the house. Those watching online tonight, thank you for being here. We appreciate you so very much. Amen. I just want to tell you next Sunday, uh, church is Nehemiah Sunday, which means we're going to be talking about our building. And uh, I don't know about you, I'm not only ready to get back in the sanctuary, I'm ready to have Sunday night church again. I have a desire to have Sunday night church. I, I miss it. I miss it. Amen. But it's great to be here on Tuesday night. And I'm thankful for this room. I'm thankful for you being here. I'm thankful that we have the opportunity to worship the Lord and our class is back in session. Second Timothy chapter number one and verse number three. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Greatly desiring to see thee being mindful of thy tears that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelleth first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice. And I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Praise God. Help us tonight, Lord. We stand in desperate need of you. Lord, we can only do what, what you lay upon us to do, Lord Jesus, but you do the work on people. You change people, God. You convict people. You challenge people, Lord Jesus. You encourage and strengthen them by the word today. In Jesus' mighty name, let everybody say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. The Lord bless you. You can be seated in the house of the Lord. Let me just 
go slow for a few minutes here. I want to just go slow for a few minutes because I really want you to understand this. And uh, if you're a note taker, I would encourage you to do so tonight. On the day of Pentecost, the church was born with power and demonstration. Do you believe that? Acts 2, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It was both visible and notable. It changed the world. Miracles then followed. Everywhere they went, the lame started walking. The dead were raised. Blind eyes were opened. Miraculous deliverances from prisons. There was all kinds of exciting things that happened, and the church was multiplied, and it grew. The glory of the Lord that abode once upon the temple now resided in the hearts of men, and Paul wrote that we are now the temple of the Holy Ghost. We're the temple of God. So God invested his power and manifested his glory on earth in people. Let me say that again. God invested himself in people so that his glory would be displayed on earth. If we ignore or neglect the gift of God that is in us, the church then fails to fulfill its great commission. It fails in revealing the glory of God to the world. But if, however, we embrace, if we crave, if we utilize the gift that God has given, given to us and we activate that gift, then on the other hand, the glory of God will be fully displayed in our life. Let me remind you where the gifts come from. James chapter 1 and verse 16. James 1 and 16. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father who is unchangeable. Let's break these down just for a moment. It's, it's an interesting concept that, that James is writing about here. Every good gift, every God-designed gift that has the quality that is suitable for a specific assignment is a good gift. The Greek word here means intrinsically good, inherently good, in quality, but with the idea of good which is also profitable, good that is beneficial. It benefits others. Agathos is the Greek word here in whose goodness and works of goodness are transferred to others. So these are gifts that don't benefit the one that the gift has been given to, but rather to the one that that gift is administered. You see, you and I have been given gifts that's not about making us to be better, but rather to make the body better, to make each other better. That's a good gift. That is a good gift. Amen. We find that in the New Testament, this word agathos is used primarily of spiritual and moral excellence. Spiritual and moral excellence. Then he uses this phrase, James does, under the writing of the Holy Ghost, says, every good gift, every perfect gift. Somebody say perfect gift. Perfect. Activated gifts become perfect gifts. Good gifts become perfect gifts. I don't necessarily think he's talking about two different kinds of gifts or two different natures of gifts, but rather good gifts become perfect gifts when they become perfect 
mature. Because that's what the word perfect means. Fully mature. Or having reached its intended goal. Amen. Brought to its end. Finish. Complete. A good gift is not perfect until it has been administered. Until it has been activated. There are many good gifts that have come into the body of Christ that continue to just be good gifts. But they've never been activated. Gifts help and empower God's people to fulfill divine purpose. So today, I believe that his people are loaded down with great potential and great gifts. Amen. Let me just say this, uh, just, just to clarify. It doesn't matter how old you are. Your gift isn't perfect until it's finished. Until you come to the point you're utilizing the purpose that God has you on this planet. Let me give you a couple examples. John the Baptist in Acts chapter 13 and verse 25, it speaks of John. And as John fulfilled his course, as John fulfilled his course, John ministered very short period of time. He came on the scene. He preached and did things that was a little strange and different. And Jesus declared him to be the greatest prophet of all. And then he, then he was beheaded. But yet he said I fulfill, he fulfilled his course. Amen. A life that is lived to the maximum is that when it is laid in state, it is as Paul would later say, I have finished my course. I've kept the faith. I've fought a good fight. Amen. I believe today the, the thing that the devil don't mind is you having a good gift. The devil doesn't mind if you have a good gift. But he does mind if you're working to perfect that gift. To complete that gift. So that when you come to the conclusion of the matter, you can say, I too have finished my course. The Bible says again, James speaking about these gifts come from above. They cometh down. They come from above and cometh down. Amen. This phrase here implies repetition. It is repetition. It means that God keeps on giving gifts. He doesn't just give gifts and stop, but he continues to give gifts. Why? He wants his glory to be revealed. He wants his power to be demonstrated. And he doesn't change about it because he's the father of light in whom is no variableness neither shadow of turning hallelujah gifts from God and he doesn't take them back say it again gifts come from God and he does not take them back let me give you scripture for that Romans eleven twenty nine. you've heard this before let me share it again for the gifts and calling are without repentance what does that mean when God gives gifts, they're irrevocable. He's not going to come around and take back what he's already given to you. When he gives you a gift, it's irrevocable. Now, here's something to bear in mind. Gifts are irrevocable, but anointing is revocable. There's a difference between a gift and the anointing to operate in that gift. You will find that there are people on bar stools using the gift that God gave them and singing very well, playing very well, amen, but they are not under the anointing. You will even find, and I have known of preachers that have preached great messages and they were as backslidden as, a, as, as, as could be. They were away from God, but what were they doing? They were operating in their gift that God had given to them, but the anointing had left them. Paul, or rather Saul, King Saul, was even said to prophesy after God said, I'm taking away the, the throne from you. 
How did he prophesy? Because the gifts are without repentance. God does not take them back. He gives you a gift and he gives me gifts so that we can glorify him. We choose then to use those gifts or not with, with or without the anointing. I want to tell you, I want the anointing of favor of God because I'm limited in my gifting. I'm limited in my ability. I'm lifted, uh, limited in what I can do. So I need the anointing of God to come down on my gift. That is Essentially, what Paul is reminding Timothy, stir up the gift. Stir up the gift that is within you. Praise God. I'm going to go through these because I think it's important to, for you to understand. Somebody said, I don't have a gift. God's not giving me a gift. I don't have a gift at all. Let me show you five different categories of, of gifts. Five different categories that I see in the Bible that are gifts. The first one is God-given potential, which is talents, abilities, personality, and things that we have from the very beginning that God wants. You take a, you take a child that can sing, and, and I don't know if you have ever heard Ava sing yet, but Ava has, has great pitch. Y'all, she's going to blow her mom and dad out of the water. She's got just, just right on pitch. I heard her singing the other day, and I thought, Oh my, we're going to have to train that girl. But it's, it's God-given a talent and ability. And, and, you know, there's some guys that can run a, a 4 four forty. I run about a 40 in a 4-4. <laughs> there are some people that have great talents and abilities that are God-given. Remember Genesis Chapter 1, verse 12, whose seed is in itself. Remember, that's the way that God operates things. He sees, uh, he has an acorn, and in that acorn is a forest. He sees a boy, and in that boy is a great man, and that girl is a great woman. God sees that potential. That's the number one category of gift is a talents, abilities, things that are based upon someone's personality or their ability to do things with their hands, with their voice, with their mind, whatever the case may be. Amen. Let's, let's, let me break that down a little bit further with you. They come from God, but we identify them at work. We identify them at other places. The ability is given to us to be good carpenters, good workers. Um, I, I've told the story before, but let me tell it again. When we blacktop our, our parking lot here, uh, the, the man uh, that came and did our, our blacktop, what, what's, his, what's his name, somebody? Anybody remember his blacktop? Greg? What's his trucking company? Flynn. That's the man. Why, why, why did I want to say Floyd? Because my gift is not remembrance. <laughs> But I talked to, to Mr. Flynn, and uh, as a matter of fact, we were standing right over, I think if my memory serves, right over here between these two buildings, and he was talking to me about uh, the blacktop and what we're doing, and the man started crying and started telling me, God put me on this planet to lay blacktop, and he was as dead serious as could be. God put me on this planet to lay blacktop. Amen. You know what? He come to realize why he was on this, this place on earth. You, you think that sometimes it's all about these, woo! 
high gifts and, and things that we consider to be high gifts. How many people has he impacted because of that passion to do something excellently? Do it with a, a, a heart. Amen. So God-given potential is one way. The second category of gifts is the personal gift of the Holy Ghost. The baptism of the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 2 verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the... The... Say it. The gift. I don't earn it. I'm not good enough to get it. It's It's a gift. It's a gift of the Holy Ghost. This is a universal gift, amen, that comes upon all who have repented and been buried in the name of the Lord Jesus, amen, have received the Holy Ghost. God promised his spirit upon those who want him. The scriptures teach us that anyone can be filled with this gift. God is no respecter of person, but he'll give his spirit to those who ask him, Luke eleven thirteen. God promised the Holy Ghost to every flesh, your sons, your daughters, your servants, your handmaidens. Amen. And Joel 2 was prophesied and Acts 2 is fulfilled. John the Baptist said that, that, that <clears throat> no one would be excluded from this great experience. Matthew 3 and 11. Peter declared that the Holy Ghost was for you, speaking of the Jews, and to all that are far off, speaking of the Gentiles. The Bible teaches us that he gives the Holy Ghost to those who obey him. Acts 5.32. In Acts chapter 10, Peter was preaching in a, in a, in a Greek's house, in an Italian's house, if you please, by the name of Cornelius. And as Peter was preaching, the Holy Ghost fell on the house, and it fell upon all them that heard, all of them which heard the word. Peter had some Jews that had come with him, so they're in a Gentile house proclaiming the gospel. That's a no-no to begin with. You shouldn't be doing that hanging around with the Gentiles and the Jews were astonished to see that that on the Gentiles was also poured out the gift. Everybody say the gift of the Holy Ghost. So the first category of gifts is our potential. Second category you will find as the baptism of the Holy Spirit that is for whosoever will. Aren't you thankful for that? It's not set aside for this one or that one. It's for whosoever will. So Those are the first two categories of gifts. The third category of gift have to do with service and leadership. Everybody say service and leadership. Paul illustrated the value of gifts in the church by comparing them to the parts of the body. The body functions properly when every person in the body is serving their gift to the maximum of their potential. I believe that God takes your personal abilities and anoints it with his Holy Spirit and then they become extraordinary. When he anoints them and they become extraordinary, they begin to edify the church. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Somebody say amen. Y'all still with me? All right. 1 Corinthians 12 and also Romans chapter 12 discusses gifts and function within the body that are seen as these service gifts. Let me read to you the scriptures and then I'm going to go through these gifts, explaining them and telling you what they are uh, as best as I can. 1 Corinthians 12, 28. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversity of tongues. Somebody say amen. Amen. 
He set them in the church. The Lord set them in the church. It's his gifts. Mm. Jump to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the portion, proportion of faith. Our ministry, let us wait on ministry. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth. Let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let's go back through these, okay? Because these are gifts of service and leadership. Number one, he said there is apostles. Everybody say administration. This is administrative gifts that launch new dynamics of church, new places of worship, new houses of worship, or new concepts of doing ministry. There are people today that have the gift of apostleship when it comes to administration. Prophecy is then next. We often think of the gift of prophecy of somebody forthtelling or somebody declaring something ahead of time under the anointing of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord and is prophetic. In this particular setting, the gift here is of edifying and exhorting and inspiring by the word of God. It is the gift of prophecy here that means that it comes through someone who is gifted to inspire, to encourage, to edify the church. These are things the church needs. The church needs administration. The church needs prophecy or inspiration. The third thing that he talked about, and these were important because they are word-centric, Everybody say word-centric. So they were one, two, three, listed. The, the third one is teaching. The gift of making the complicated sound simple. Amen. Bishop Walls is, operates in all three of these when he teaches because he makes the complicated sound simple. How many of you walked out of one of his classes that he was teaching just recently and went, okay, I should have known that. So thank the Lord for those gifts. Let me talk to you at number five. These are all gifts that are connected to leadership and service. Number five are essentially service. They are helps and ministry. Helps and ministry. These are gifts that are essential to the assistance of God's purpose in a church. Often those who have the gifts of helps or service are those who work behind the scenes to get things done and they do it with joy and passion. Many times you'll never know about it. Many times they'll have little recognition and it takes somebody with a gift to do that. I don't have to have a pat on the back. Nobody has to know that I did it, but I do it because that's my gifting. The church needs this. I said the church needs this. Mm. 
Paul wrote in Romans chapter 16 twice. He says in this chapter, first of all, he talks about greeting Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus. What is he saying? They have the ministry of helps. They've got the ministry of helps. And then he also says to Urbane, salute Urbane, our helper in Christ. These are the people that when Paul went down, these are the kinds of people, the Bible doesn't give us their name, but the kinds of people when Paul had to be let down out of the, uh, out down in a basket by a rope that are holding a rope and nobody knows their name, nobody understands who they were, but they have a ministry of helps. I believe this is an essential ministry in the church. We need that gift. Then the gift of government. There are those who have the gifting of organizing, arranging, putting together systems, putting things in place. Amen. I say it once, I'll say it again. If you ever hear that Pastor Gill's been elected to some kind of office of secretary, you must find me a home quickly because I have lost my ever-loving mind. I am no secretary. God gave me a person with the gift of government. Thank the Lord for that. So again, we're talking about leadership gifts in the body and, and, and service gifts in the body. The, the next one is exhortation. Paul mentions about exhortation. This is the gift of encouragement. Thank God for people who have the gift of encouragement. I can't tell you how many times I've gone to the tithe box and pulled tithes out of it and there'd be a note there, handwritten note that said, thank you for preaching the word today. Nobody knows about it, but it sure ministered to me. How many of you have been ministered by somebody that has come up and said something that is uplifting, something that is encouraging? Amen. Would to God we had a rise of encouragers and those that have the gift of exhortation. And he even said that there are those in the church who have the gift of giving. I think we ought to, ought to all pray for that gift. What do you say? See, you got to understand, people who become generous givers do so because God has blessed them generously. But the gift of giving, we're all givers. Everybody say, we're all givers. We're all givers. This is a generous church. But some are given by God a special gift to give. It is the gift that is driven by a desire and an attitude of just simply being sacrificial because God has blessed them and they are amazingly generous. Thank God for the gift that is in the church of givers. Then he talks about he that ruleth. Ruling here speaks of leadership. Those that guide, those that direct, those that aid in, uh, are engaged in aiding and protecting and caring for. You know, our, our, our trustees have the gift to not only be the gift of deacons, but also ruling, leadership, guiding. Here the influence here is to help people follow. That's what it means. Ruling, help people follow. Amen. People don't follow a dictator unless that's all they know. There are some people that will. But I want to tell you, those that lead with a gift of leadership that is willing to be a guide, that is willing to be engaged, one that is willing to protect and care for, that's very important in the body of Christ. Then he concludes with the 10th the gift here in leadership and service, and that is showing mercy. Showing mercy. That is the gift of compassion. Some people have a gift of mercy. Some people, Lord, have mercy. 
the gift of mercy. I would that everyone would have the gift of, of mercy. I would that they, but thank God for people in our church who are the gift, that have the gift of the exhortation, encouragement, and the gift of mercy. Hallelujah. There are people who have a special ability to show up in all kinds of situations. These are the people that show up when somebody has a problem. There's a person that dies in church. They're showing up. They're calling around. We need to feed them. We need to bless them. Disaster hits. Disaster hits, and there are people that run to it that help. Praise be to God for people that have those kind of gifts, people that will show up in crisis. Thank God for a brother Chris that will do what he does, and thank God for our volunteer firemen, and thank God for people that run to those kind of places, brother Keith that runs into those buildings while we're running away. They're running to that. Why? It takes something special. There's something special about people like brother Austin to have a, that's a gift, y'all. And it, it, and it translates into our church. It's just that they're not moved by compassion, but they're moved to take action. Everybody say action. The church runs on these gifts. MPC runs on these gifts. They're not just for preachers. They're just not for those who are in quote-unquote leadership but they reside in every child of God. Can I tell you some of the most effective leaderships in churches are folks that don't even have a title. Don't even have a title. But they're influencers. They're loving, compassionate. Amen. Somebody say, all right. All right, spend a little time on that because I wanted you to get it because those are some gifts that need to be stirred up. The fourth category of gifts is ministerial and authority gifts. Ministerial and authority gifts. I'll quickly go over them. They're found in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. And Jesus, or he, speaking of Jesus, gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. These five are the ministerial gifts that speak of those that have been called by God to preach to the body and to those who need evangelizing. These gifts are poured upon those who are called for a lifetime of service. Let me just break them down quickly that this is why they're here. Here are the key purposes of ministerial gifts. For the equipping or the, the, the perfecting of the saints, the equipping of believers. Number two, they're for the training for ministry, for the work of the ministry. They're for the building up of the body of Christ or the edifying of the body of Christ. They're to promote unity and knowledge among believers till we all come into the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. They are for the sonship or those that are growing into the full stature of Christ. For Paul says in Ephesians 4 that they help those grow unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. They are for the maturity of believers. They are for those that are tossed around like children, tossed to and fro from every wind of doctrine, carried here and there. Thank God. God anoints apostles, prophets, uh, uh, teachers, evangelists, pastors. He anoints them to bring the church to a specific place and to lead the body into submitted authority of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. That is category number four. The last category I want to show you is category number five, and these are the gifts. I'm breaking down every gift that I can find that is biblically based to help you tonight. Number five is the gifts of the Spirit or spiritual gifts. 
We often call them the nine supernatural gifts. They're broken down into this area. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. These are administrative gifts. They are broken down into the gift of faith, the gift of healing, and the working of miracles. These are demonstration gifts. They, then he said revelation gifts are the gifts of prophecy, the gift of tongues, and the gift of interpretation of tongues. God uses these gifts in specific people. And the Bible, we taught on this. The Bible said that we are to earnestly desire the best gift. What is the best gift? It's the one the church needs right now. Whatever the case is, oh God, would you use me in a gift? Lord, would you use me in a gift? And when it comes to these spiritual gifts, it doesn't matter how talented you are because talent doesn't have anything to do with it. It doesn't matter how knowledgeable you are because knowledge doesn't have anything to do with it. I've watched people that were uh, as smart as a bag of rocks. That's some smartness right there. But God get a hold of them and they preach and declare or prophesy or speak a word of wisdom. Somebody walks up to you, doesn't know anything about your situation. Amen. Don't go by their externals. Don't go by their supposed, you know, having a, a premonition about them, what you're thinking. Just let it go and see what God has got for you. Because God has actually spoken through people that I did not expect. How about you? Praise the Lord. First Peter 4, verse 10. And every man hath received the gift. Even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Here it is. The, you know, you've received a gift. Then you want to make sure you're a good steward of that gift because you have received the anointing, the manifold grace of God to administer that gift. He goes on to say, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. You find somebody that they use their gift to the edification of their own flesh. You can make sure that they may be operating in a gift but they're operating out of order because the end result of the gifts that God gives is that God be glorified, that he be exalted, that he be exalted, that he be exalted, that he be exalted. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, if I am in anything used by you, let it be that he gets the glory. Any of, the, any of these gifts that we have talked about tonight, let's see that God gets the glory. Now, as my lovely family would say, he's laid a foundation. Everybody, so now we can start our own lesson. That's this right here. This right here is a gift of hospitality. Praise God. I need that. Thank you, Sister Becky. Let's lay some context of our lesson, all right? Paul writes to, to Timothy in the second letter that he writes to Timothy. Paul is in prison when he writes this. Not only is he in prison, he's on death row. He knows that he's about to die. I love it because he doesn't write, oh, if you only knew 
what I was going through. Pray for me. That's not what he writes. No, no, no. He's incarcerated. And what is he doing? He says, Timothy, I'm remembering you. I'm reminded of your tears. I think the last time they left each other's presence, Timothy's bawling and squalling. In a minute, you'll find out why. Paul's leaving and Timothy is crying. And Paul says, I remember you in your tears. And so what has he done? I've prayed for you day and night. You're incarcerated on death row. What are you doing? I'm praying for you day and night. When's a good time to pray with the Seth? Day and night. Twice a day. That's all. All day. All night. Come on, somebody. Praise God. Paul recalls the, the, the faith that was in Timothy's mother and grandmother and 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 so he begins and 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 if you'll study the history here the beginning of first timothy indicates that paul traveled to ephesus with timothy and then leaves him there as the overseer or the bishop or the elder over the church group in ephesus he says in first timothy chapter 1 verse 18 i charge thee this charge i commit unto thee rather this charge i commit unto thee son timotheus according to the prophecies which went before on thee that thou by them mightest war a good warfare holding faith and good conscience which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck of whom is Hymenius and Alexander then listen to this whom I've delivered unto Satan I've delivered unto Satan <laughs> I'd you like to be at that meeting Paul at Ephesus is dealing with Jaime and Alex He said, I delivered them unto Satan that they learned not to bless him. I'm leaving, Timothy. Here you go. Deal with it. I have, I have done a dive and study on Timothy, and I've, I've read all kinds of commentators that said, well, he was just, you know, he, he, was, he was fearful, he was weak, and I, I've, I've even preached that and talked about it. But I've come, Brother Jason, to a new realization. He was just an ordinary guy given extraordinary God-given task and with a God-given gift. Just like the rest of us. All right. The church work of Ephesus was plagued with false teachers and vicious adversaries of the gospel. Read Acts chapter 19 sometime and you'll see what they had to put up with. There were some wackos there. There were some real strange people. What, what, what challenge and charge do you give to a young man that says, deal with this? you got to deal with people that are older than you, that are given to Satan for correction. But I'll, I'll, come on, Timothy, take care of this. Amen. He had to, he had to deal with the aftermath of things that, that Paul left, and he didn't have the personality Paul had. He didn't have the demeanor that Paul had. Study it. He was a very uh, uh, outgoing, seemed to be kind person. And, and it, but look, look, look what he writes to him in the first letter. He writes this to Timothy in the first letter, and he says in chapter 4 and verse 12, Let no man despise thy youth. What are you saying? There's somebody despising your youth. Why would he write it if there wasn't a problem with it? 
Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Live right, Timothy. Live right, Timothy, till I come and give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Then he says, neglect not the gift that is in thee which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on uh, uh, with laying on the hands of the presbytery he said meditate upon these things give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all take heed unto thyself and to the doctrine continue in them for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee timothy don't neglect the gift your gifting is important you can't do this on your own timothy you can't do this by yourself don't ignore your gift don't neglect your gift don't put it up and make light of it. Oh, it's just a gift. And don't you begin to make light of how old you are or how young you are or how unskilled you are or how you're not like Paul and how you're not like those that are before you. Amen. Timothy, don't be careless about your gift. Then he says to him something that blew my mind. First Timothy 6 and 17. Charge them that are rich in this world. And I'm not going to read anymore because they tell you that there are two things you don't preach about. The first one is people's kids. The second is money. That's what they say. You shouldn't preach on money and you shouldn't preach about people's kids. Well, I've done both, so I'm going to keep it up. But Paul says to Timothy, deal with those things that are unpleasant. Deal with those things that are, are, are not in your nature to deal with. I think Timothy was a peacemaker. I, Tim, I think Timothy was a guy that didn't want conflict. I think Timothy was a man, but he had a gift. Oh, Timothy, remember, I charge you, preach about money. And then you got to deal with the spiritual charlatans around you. Here's some other things you need to know about Timothy that would also impact his ability to operate. He was biracial. Timothy was biracial. His dad was a Gentile and his mother was a Greek. So he would not be accepted by the Jews and he wouldn't be accepted by the Greeks. What was the difference? There was a gift inside of him that was going to make a difference. Do you see the importance of the gift today? Amen. Yes, his, his mom and grandmother were of faith, but we don't know about his dad. Evidently, his dad may have not, may have. We don't, there's no record about him being a spiritual leader. There's no record of, of pedigree. There's no record of heritage other than his grandmother and his mother. So listen up, mom and grandma. Listen up. Hallelujah. There's got to be something inside of you that says, Timothy, you're going to do great things if you'll keep the faith. Timothy, you're going to operate in God's power if you'll keep the faith. Man, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> he was young. He wasn't known as Paul was known. As a matter of fact, he suffered, according to 1 Timothy 5, 23, he suffered from stomach trouble. I would too. I would too. But he had a heart for God and a heart for truth and a gift. Timothy acted as Paul's scribe. You'll find him. He co-authored the books of 2 Corinthians, Philippians, and Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, and Philemon. He accompanied Paul on his missionary journeys. He was even in prison for a time as well. Timothy rep represented Paul at Corinth, at Philippi, and at Ephesus for a time. 
You will see Timothy's faith being in the background. But now Paul says, I want you to come to the church at Ephesus. And he writes these two letters specifically to encourage him. 25 times, thereabout, 25 times in 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy were exhortations of encouragement and a challenge to hold on, to be strong, keep the faith. Amen. Stand. Why? Because Paul believed in Timothy. Then he says, I want you to remember to stir up. Somebody say, stir up. Stir up the gift that is in thee by the putting on my hands. Amen. The spirit of fear comes to intimidate this young preacher. The spirit of, of, of uh, intimidation comes to tell him, you're young. You can't do it. You're not Paul. You can't do it. You come from a biracial family. You can't do it. Your past is bad. I'm preaching to somebody right now. Your past is bad, therefore you're unqualified. You didn't come from a certain line. You didn't come, you know, there are certain families that in the church, that's the only ones that can do anything. Baloney. You didn't come from that. You don't have a you don't you don't have this and you don't have that. But Paul had enough to say, This is my son in the gospel. And he has, there is one place he said, There is no one else I trust like Timothy. Amen. Flawed, imperfect, impressionable, young. But he had a gift. I want to tell you, if you will take the gift that God gives you and stir it up, it doesn't matter what your past has been. It doesn't matter who you're married to or who you weren't married to. It does not matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done. Amen. If you allow the gift of God to rise up inside of you, you've got to stir it up. You've got to stir it up. I have said this to come to the point to show you that the spirit of intimidation wants to keep Timothy from operating in his gift. That same intimidation has not died and is still at work today and wants you to be intimidated to operate in your gift. Can I tell you, the gift is not you and you are not your gift. It is simply God has put it inside of you and the thought should be, oh God, use me flow through me every category that we've said not everyone will fit into one of those categories maybe not everybody's going to be a called minister amen or a called missionary or a called evangelist but there will be those among us that have potential inside of you gifts and abilities that God wants to anoint natural abilities that God wants to anoint then there are those that have service gifts and leadership gifts that are dead buried inside of you that God wants to say fan the flame come on fan the flame come on fan the flame the spirit of timidity the spirit of intimidation is a bully it's a bully praise God pastor I just can't I just can't it's impossible I can't do it I failed, I've tried, and I can't do it. Maybe you're operating in the wrong gift. Maybe you do need to switch your mentality of what your gift is. But look with me at a prophet from the Old Testament that was facing the same spirit of intimidation. God had an assignment for Jeremiah. Before he was ever conceived, God had a purpose for him. Jeremiah chapter 1 Verse 4, then the word of the Lord came unto me saying, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. 
And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctify thee and ordain thee a prophet unto the nations. I, I think I said this at Brother Wilkes last Wednesday night. So I don't know if I said it here. If I did say it here, just act like I didn't. I think it's brand new. But the reason I think God hates abortion so much is that the doctor and the scientist that was going to find a cure for COVID could very well have been a baby that was aborted. Or one that would find the cure for cancer. We aborted. God said, Jeremiah, I knew your gift while you were in the womb. Brother Keith, that blows my mind. God knew about me in my mother's womb. That means he loves me. And he says, I'm going to give you a gift. God ordained Jeremiah to be a prophet before he was born. God consecrated and anointed him to his assignment before he was born. Here's Jeremiah's response. All right. In verse 6. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak. I'm a child. Lord God. Behold, I cannot speak. I'm a child. Intimidation pointed out Jeremiah's supposed limitation and handicap. He's young. You see that? You know what scholars believe he was? 25. I'm thinking 13. 14. 25? Come on, Jerry. What you doing? Listening to intimidation, to the limitations. You see, gifts don't care about your limitations. I say that again. Gifts do not care about your limitations. Hallelujah. I'm just 25 years old. The reality is he feels limited and intimidated about his age. Listen to the Lord's response. But the Lord said unto me, say not, I am a child. Shut up with your excuses. For thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces. Be not afraid of their faces, for I'm with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. What is he doing? Giving him a gift that he did not have. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down and to build and to plant. Amen. God's anointed gift came upon Jeremiah. Even though he felt intimidated, he had to change his mindset. How do you do that? Stir up the gift. Somebody say, stir up the gift. Stir up the gift. Hallelujah. Stir up the gift. Stir up the gift. Wherefore, I put you in remembrance that thou stir up the gift. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Don't take what God didn't give you, but take what God has given you. What did he give you? The spirit of power. The spirit of ability that's beyond your talent. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost brings boldness and courage like we preach Sunday. God wants us to use the gift because of his power, not because 
because of our limitations or intimidations. Power, power, use the power of the Spirit. Let courage rise up within you and say, I'm limited and can't talk. I'm young and can't do it. But that's no excuse. I'm going to do it anyway. Got a bad past. Got this wrong with me. But I'm going to do it anyway. Because God has given me the spirit of power. And he's given me the spirit of, of love. Amen. The Bible records that perfect love does what? Perfect love does what? Come on, say it loud. Perfect love does what? Cast out fear. Cast out fear. Amen. If you study the giftings of, of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and the spiritual gifts of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you will find that in chapter 14, there is all kinds of different kinds of regulation that Paul puts on the demonstration gifts. Amen. He puts on rather the prophetic gifts. And then you will see in chapter 13, sandwiched between the two lessons on gifts is a chapter of love. Chapter of love that ends with this. Father. Follow charity, amen, and uh, follow charity because that's going to be the thing that over, overcomes. It overcomes. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. In the spirit of a sound mind, throw up Isaiah chapter 26 and 3. Come on, read it aloud with me. They got it? Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Oh, thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Hallelujah. Psalms 112 and 7. Listen to this. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. He shall not be afraid of the intimidator. Why? His heart is fixed, trusting in God. His mind is set is set. He said he'd never leave me or forsake me. Nothing else is real that comes against that. But I want to point out, God gave the spirit of power, the spirit of love, and the spirit of sound mind, but we have to stir up the gift. We have to stir it up. For he told Timothy, thou, you, stir up the gift that God has placed within you. The word stir here is an interesting word. It's compartmentalized or put together of three Greek words that mean, mean back or again, alive and fire. Back again, alive and fire. That means keep the fire alive. Keep the fire alive. Anybody ever tried to put out a fire that you wanted to be put out and it just keeps coming back how about those fires you wanted to start you got the flint you got the fuel you pour on kerosene and it just won't start you can throw gas on it it looks at you, you go, <laughs> see fires have to be maintained the gift is like this fire and Paul is writing to Timothy, you need to fan the flame, stir up the flame, kindle the flame of your gift. The word here is the force of, of present tense, which means Timothy is to keep the fire ablaze white hot 
all the time. Don't let it go down to an ember. Don't let it go out down to a coal. But say, oh God, I'm going to stir it up. How am I going to stir it up? I'm going to stir it up by praying in the Holy Ghost. I'm going to stir it up by praying in the Holy Ghost. How are you going to stir it up? By activating it. By walking in it. By rejoicing. By prayer. By worship. By just doing what God asked me to do. Stir it up. Praise the Lord. Would you stand with me, please? Our time is to declare freedom from intimidation. I want to stress this very, very clearly to you. I'm, I'm wrapping up for a while anyway this message on intimidation. But in speaking with Sister Gill, she has some things that she wants to share to our ladies, but all of our men will benefit. Walking in victory. Next Tuesday night, you want to be here. Sister Gill's going to be speaking to us about walking in victory. I don't want to just, Brother Seth, have victory for a moment and then let the enemy come back in. I want to walk in it every day. Victorious. Victorious. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Right now, I want you to just bow your head right where you are. Would you let the Holy Ghost speak to you? I trust that he has during the message. Would you let God's voice talk to you? Would you search your heart and say, oh my, I don't have the ability to sing. I don't have the ability to play. I don't have the ability to do this. I don't have the ability to do that. Well, there's a gift inside of you. There's a gift inside of you that needs to come out, that needs to be fanned. Amen. Fan it. Hallelujah. You might need to just right now today fan the gift of the Holy Ghost. When's the last time you prayed through until you spoke in other tongues? When's the last time you prayed until you knew you were renewed? Like our forefathers had saved and told us, have you prayed through lately? Have you prayed through? Have you prayed through lately? Have you prayed through? Amen. <laughs> Don't wait to church. You do it at home. Amen. Do it on the job. Do it in the car. Pray through. Holy Ghost fire. I want to fan the flame. Fan the flame. Fan the flame. Hallelujah. 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 Whatever it takes, oh God. Ignite our gifts at MPC. Lord, let new gifts come out. Let new gifts, oh God, Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorchurch.com to learn more about our ministry.